Okay, let's get ready. We are going to learn today how to develop a godly viewpoint. That's a good one, isn't it? Oh, what would the world be like if we all had a godly viewpoint? Well, we're going to see how that works today right here on New Hope Radio. I'm going to tell you something. Stick with the program. Stick with Christian Radio. It's how you grow. You know, we're not in church every day, but the Christian Radio can bring church to you, and it brings you the Word of God. That's how we grow. Here we go. Following Jesus. I see ya. Moving along. Okay, let's think about this. Think about the way you look at things. Do you realize the way we look at things in life is critical? It's critical to our responses, to our choices, and of course, it all adds up to our quality of life. So our perspective, which is how we look at life, is developed from where we are in a particular situation. Our perspective has a direct impact on the way we live our lives. And you know, Jesus was very interested in the way we looked at life. Oh yes, he was. And you know why? Because he knows how we see it will determine how we end it. Life, that is. How you see life will determine how you end life. So let's see what Jesus had to say about perspective, and then hopefully see our need to develop a godly perspective. Oh, I know what you're thinking. I have a godly perspective. Really? Really? Come on. We all do to some degree, but I think we got a long way to go. So we pick it up in Matthew 6.22, and Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. What does that mean? Well, what the sun is to the universe or a candle to a room, the eye is to the body. It brings the light. Okay? Think of the eye as the window that lets in the light. Okay? So Jesus said, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, the word clear It's the word haplos, and it means single or generous. I want you to think of it like this today. Generosity is a key characteristic of the Christian life. We are generous as God's people with our time, our talents, our resources, our money. We are, because we're God's people and we're like Him. But in this particular verse, I want you to think of it like this where it means that we are generous in the judgment of others. If your eye is clear, your body will be full of light. So you'll be generous in the way you judge other people. But if the eye is bad, paneros, that means grudging, right? There is nothing like generosity for giving you a clear, undistorted view of life and people, whereas, on the other hand, grudging, a grudging spirit, will never cause you to see 
the positive part of a person, the positive aspect, because you're grudging, okay? It's the difference between looking out a clean window and a dirty window. Which one are you going to see more? Which one are you going to appreciate nature with more, a clean window or a dirty window? So ask yourself, am I generous in the way I look at people or the way I evaluate them? Do I look at people with a grudging spirit or do I look at people with a generous spirit? Do I have a grudging eye when I look at people or do I have a generous eye when I look at people? See, we can be stingy with our thoughts, can't we? We can be generous with our thoughts. We can be stingy with our thoughts. So just like a clean window lets in much light, a dirty window lets in less light. The result, Jesus said, if then the light that is in you is darkness, phew, how great is that darkness? Wow, how great is it? You know, darkness is greater than we think. You know, you ever get up in the middle of the night and all the lights are out and you don't want to put one on because <laughs> it might wake you up. So, but your eyes can adjust to the darkness and you can get around, but you're still in the dark and you get around somewhat. But when you put on the lights or open the curtains, oh, now I can really see. And it's beautiful. So, what are some of the window smearers in life? that cause us not to see life clearly. What is it that makes a dirty window? Prejudice. What is prejudice? It means to prejudge a person. You judge a person before you get to know them. Maybe even before you meet them. You just look at them and you judge them. And you don't even know them. That'll darken a window. That'll smear it. A jealousy. Jealousy is a window smearer. To want what someone else has. God hasn't chosen to give it to you. But you don't care, you want it, that'll smear your window. Self-conceit, which is an overestimation of self. That's a window smearer. How about this one? Greed. Greed, you know what greed is? Serving the wrong master. These are all window smearers, and they affect a person's vision. And it can go undetected. Yeah, why? You get used to the dark. How great is the darkness when you think it's light? You're in the dark and you think you're in the light. Jesus is speaking this right on the heels of what he said about storing up treasures, either on earth or in heaven. So he says, no one can serve two masters. The word serve is the word doulos. It means to be a slave to. No one can be a slave to two masters, and this is why. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. That's what he's saying. You want your life to mean something? You got to make a choice. Oh, life is filled with choices, isn't it? Every day we make choices. Sometimes we make really good ones. Sometimes uh, not that good. I know I've been there. I've made my share of bad choices as well as good. So I want you to think about being a slave to something. In the ancient world, a slave had no rights. None. So, whichever master you serve, whether it's God or money, you have no rights. They both have ownership over you. Wow, think of that. They both own you. 
Every so often we have to stop and check who or what our master is. Who am I really serving? Do you ever stop and think that? Am I serving God? Am I serving wealth? Am I serving myself? We can be self-serving. Oh, yeah. See, the one we serve is truly the one we have put our confidence in. That's the one we trust. The master that we serve is the master that we trust. People who put their faith in their work, their job, their career, and they work seven days a week, they have no or not much faith in God because they put their faith in a seven-day work week. You know, I always tell Christian people, especially if you're a Christian business owner, work smarter, not harder. You can work hard and just be worn out. Or you can work smart and enjoy prosperity. So if you own a business and you're a Christian, you don't work seven days a week. I don't care. You give God his due. You give God his due on Sunday. And you trust him for the business. You trust him that he'll bring him in. He'll bring in the money. He'll bring in the customers or whatever it is that you do. That's faith. Faith in God. But if you don't have faith in God, oh, I got to work seven days because I have faith in my job. But I don't have faith in God. Well, if you put your faith in God, you don't have to work every day. You, you do your part and you work hard. You can put in your five or six days. But that seventh day belongs to God. Give it to him and watch him come through for you. Work smarter, not harder. So Jesus tells us this is why you have to put your faith in him and not what you do or something else. He said in verse 25, we're in Matthew 6 and we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' sermon that is, I believe, closest to his heart. And he said, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life so as to what you will eat or what you will drink. Oh, by the way, in the first century, people lived day to day. They didn't have a refrigerator full of food. They didn't have a closet full of clothing. It was day to day, many of them. And here's Jesus saying, don't worry. Don't worry about your next meal, what you'll eat or drink, or what you're going to wear, what you'll put on. And then he says, is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? What he's saying is, isn't faith greater? That's what he's saying. Your life is more important than food, and God will prepare. He'll provide for your life. He knows we all have natural needs. God knows it. So he says, don't be worried. Worried means to be anxious, to be full of care. You know, care is good, but when it's overused, it's bad. It becomes anxiety. Anxiety gives you a divided mind. You can't think straight. You can't keep your mind on what's right because you're worried about what could go wrong. James said, a double-minded man is unstable, uh-oh, in all his ways. Not some of his ways. Not a few of them. All of them. So if you're trying to serve two masters, forget about it, man. You're going to be a basket case. You'll be unstable in every way. Why? Because his perception has been distorted. There we are, back to his perception. We're talking about how to have a godly viewpoint. 
A godly viewpoint will get you through life a whole lot better. Jesus gives the people a lesson from nature. He's so simple. That's why he's such a great teacher. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor reap or gather into bonds, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, something about birds. Birds are not lazy. They work. Oh, yeah, they work hard. They get up early to catch the worm. They gather materials to build a nest, right? You ever see a bird build a nest? That's a lot of work. They fly away, come back with a stick, put it in there, go away, come back and forth, back and forth, and they build a beautiful nest. But they don't worry. And you know the beautiful thing when Jesus said, look at the birds, it's like the world is a classroom. Every time you step outside, you can get a lesson from God. And today you can look at the birds and see how they work, but they don't worry, and God provides. So he said in verse 27, Who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Think. Does worry extend your life? Does worry make your life more fulfilling? Does worry make you a happier person? Worry doesn't add anything positive to life. It's something that we do, but it's something we can overcome. You can overcome worry. You got to practice. Practice what? Faith. You got to practice faith. Life becomes an adventure. What are some things people worry about? Oh, people worry about what Jesus just mentioned. Food. Clothing. Some people, war. Nature. Global warming. Global freezing. <laughs> All people worry. You know what some people said about worry? Here are some things people said. Most of our worries are reruns. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Ever find yourself worrying about the same thing over and over and over? Somebody else said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. That's true. That's true. A Chinese man said he could write his biography of every American in three words. Hurry, worry, bury. Is that your life? Hurry, worry, bury. I think it is for some people. Maybe many people. Hurry, hurry up. Always on the go. And then worrying. And then you're dead. And that's it. So, what does worrying really help? Well, one person said, I know worrying helps. Because the things I worry about never happen. <laughs> that could be true. So, if you want bad things to not happen, worry about them. That's what he said. I don't think that's the biblical perspective toward worry, though. The biblical perspective is to look at, look at your Lord. Look at God the Father that sent his Son. And he sent his son to be crucified for you. He demonstrated his love in the greatest way by offering his son on your behalf. And you don't have to worry about judgment and condemnation. And you don't have to worry about hellfire because Jesus took it. He took it all for you. And if God demonstrated his love in that degree, why would I doubt his love in a lesser degree 
Why would I do that? So don't worry. We always have to look at the cross. That's what I do. Try to look at the cross. Oh, there's God's love. That's the love of God right there. That's the symbol. That's why every church should have a cross. Some churches don't have crosses. I don't know why. Why don't they have a cross? I've heard one famous pastor said, well, because the cross is an offense to the unbeliever. Duh. It's an offense to everybody. Of course, the cross is offensive. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to make us think, hey, I belong up there. I deserve that cross. And Jesus came and took it. I'm glad Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Some people today are. They just want to preach the prosperity gospel. They never talk about repentance, never talk about sin, never talk about the, 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 the hang-ups that we have as humans and how to fix them by getting with God. And people never change. And they don't grow and they stay the same. And they wonder why more people don't want to come to church and get saved. Maybe what they see is not that appealing to them. So, we have a lesson from the flowers. All you flowers, stand up. You're giving us a lesson. And Jesus said, Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field, they grow. They do not toil. They do not spin. And yet, they are beautiful. They're beautiful. They don't do anything to make themselves look beautiful. God does. And he said, even Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, in all of his glory, he didn't look as beautiful as one of these. Why? Because God took care of them. And God will take care of you. See, when you really believe in your heart that God will take care of you, you'll stop worrying. And until then, you're going to worry. And you can be a believer in Jesus and you're going to heaven. He died for you. But you can still lack the faith that pushes away worry. Because your faith is small. It's short. You're looking at life through a smeared window. And clean that window. And you'll see. And you'll have a godly perspective. So Jesus said in verse 30, Listen, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, thrown into the furnace, which means it's got a very short lifespan, and he makes it beautiful, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith? Didn't I just say that? I thought I just said that. I did. That people lack faith, and that's why they worry. You don't have to worry. Put your faith in God. So he said, do not worry then. What are you worried about? What we'll eat, what we will drink, what we're going to wear. And then he, he, oh, then he dropped the bomb. The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Who are the Gentiles? The people that don't believe in God. Yet. They have no faith. See, if you've got no faith, it's okay to worry. But if you've got faith, you have no business worrying. None. The Gentiles eagerly seek for the things they need. But your Heavenly Father, He knows that you need all these things. Wow. He knows. And He will provide. But be like the birds. Do your part. 
Do the work. Don't overwork. Just do the work. And God will provide. So two beautiful lessons. The birds, they go to work and God provides their food. The flowers, they bask in the sunlight and God makes them beautiful. Jesus says, look at them. Won't God do much more for you? Because you're going to live forever. You're God's pride and joy. So somebody says, if I can't worry, then what can I do? If I can't worry, which is my pastime, then what do I replace worry with? I'm glad you asked. Verse 33. But first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what you do. Just when you're ready to worry, seek God. Seek God first. And the word first is the word protos, and it means foremost. Make God foremost in your life. Put him right in front of you. There he is. Boom. There's God. Make him the most important thing. Because he is the most important thing. So you seek first his kingdom. What is his kingdom? It's his realm. It's his rule. It's his authority. And seek his righteousness. You know what that is? Holiness of heart. I call it the Christian way of life. The righteousness that we should pursue is the Christian way of life. Living life the way God intends us to live. How do we do that? By means of Scripture. You follow the Word of God. And you're living the Christian way of life. So Jesus wraps it up and he says, So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's for sure. (laughs) Worrying takes tomorrow's troubles and brings them into today's. And now you got double trouble. That's no fun. Who wants to do that? I don't want to do that. See, it's okay not to worry. Matter of fact, if you're a believer in Jesus, it's bad if you worry. You're demonstrating small faith. So let's make an application. Here we are, 2,000 years later from this sermon. Let's make an application. If I choose money to be my master, I will always have cause to worry. If I choose God to be my master, there will be no place for worry in my life. There's no place for worry. God pushes it out. He does. So the conclusion, the choice I make is determined by the condition of my eye. If my eye is clear, God's word will get in and give me a proper perspective. If my eye is darkened by prejudice, jealousy, self-conceit, or greed, then my distorted view will cause me to make the wrong choice. And then, and here's the sad part, I will look like a person who doesn't know God. Oh, man, that's that's not something you want to happen. You don't want to look like somebody that doesn't know God to other people. Because that's a bad testimony. 
And how are you going to win them to Christ if you look like you don't even have any faith? So the object is to look like a true believer. That's what we do. Look like a true believer. And a believer acts on what they believe. They act on it. Like James said, don't be just a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer. Faith is, I'm going to take what I know about God, and I'm going to apply it to my life. And if Jesus said worrying is not part of the Christian way of life, so be it. Because I want to live the Christian way of life. So worry is out, and faith is in. I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to seek after His kingdom. I'm going to seek after His righteousness. And I'm going to trust Him. Because every time I look at a bird, I'm reminded about God's care. And every time I look at a beautiful flower, I'm reminded of God's care. And I'm made in God's image. Oh, how much more does He care for me? See, that's that personal relationship with God. That's what we have to have. We're not talking about having a religious relationship based on performance or ritual or anything that we do. We're talking about a personal relationship, friend to friend, you know, interaction, fellowship. You know, you talk to God like you talk to your friend. And you know, God cares even more than any friend could ever care for you because he's God and he created you. And he gave you life, and he sent his son to die in your place. That if you believe, you'll have everlasting life. That's what God wants us to have. Why would you worry? If he's already given you everlasting life, why in the world would you worry about anything in temporal life? I know it's easy to say and hard to do, but this is the Christian life. And this is what we do. We learn to wash that window so we can have a clear view, a divine view, of how life is to be. Well, these are the things we need to hear over and over and over, because we need to be reminded. So you can check this out at any of our podcast locations, iTunes, Spotify, On our website at newhopecc.tv, scroll down a little bit, it'll be there. This podcast will be available in just a few minutes. And uh, again, that's the beauty of driving in your car, listening to the Word of God. Subscribe to iTunes or YouTube, I mean uh, Spotify, you'll get a notification every time we put up a podcast. Redeem the time, redeem the time and utilize it to wash that window so you can have a godly perspective.